every great leader has someone that he looks to the counsel, the wisdom, for understanding. Every great leader looks for the advice and the wisdom and the direction of people in their circle. In this case, Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful ruler at that time, over the largest kingdom at that time, had Daniel. And in Daniel, he trusted what Daniel said, and he trusted what Daniel's um, viewpoint and, uh, would be on the situation or in the circumstance. And he valued his counsel. And we're going to see here uh, that very situation that Daniel um, uh, talks with the king and counsels the king and advises the king on his truth about, on God's truth about the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had and the dream that Nebuchadnezzar saw. Series um, in the book of Daniel, and we're in chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses um, 19 through 27. So if you have your Bibles, chapter 4, verses 19 through 27, the book of Daniel. And let's look at this. Uh, verse 19 Then Daniel, whose name is Belshazzar, was appalled for, appalled for a while as his thoughts alarmed him. The king responded and said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or interpretation alarm you. Belshazzar replied, My lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you, its interpretation to your adversaries. The tree that you saw, which became large and grew strong, whose height reached to the sky and was visible to all the earth, and whose foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the sky lodge. It is you, O king, for you have become great, and have grown strong, and your majesty has become great, and reached to the sky, and your dominion to the end of the earth. In that the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one, descending from heaven, and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground but with a band of iron and bronze around it, the new grass in, in it, in the new grass of the field. And let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him share with the beasts of the field until seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation of King, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King. That you will be driven, that you be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place be with the beasts of the field, and you will be given grass to eat like cattle, and be drenched with the dew of heaven. And, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows on it whomever he wishes. And in that it was commanded to leave the stump with its roots on the trees. Your kingdom will be uh, assured to you after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. Therefore, O king, may my advice 
be pleasing to you. Break away now from your sin by doing righteousness and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. And may God add a blessing to the reading of his word. We're going to be looking at three specific points here. Number one, uh, Daniel's concern for the king. Number two, Daniel's interpretation for the king. And then number three, Daniel's wise advice for the king. Number one, Daniel's concern for the king. We'll be looking at verse 19 here. And it says here, that, that Daniel, whose name is Belshazzar, was appalled for a while at his thoughts and alarmed him. Why was Daniel appalled? Because Daniel saw the dream. Daniel saw what the dream was all about. And Daniel knew the interpretation and the implications of the dream. And he knew who the dream was for. And it appalled him. And, it, and, it, and it, he was, I think, in awe of the magnitude of the outcome of the dream. Because here it was his map well his Lord, his king, the one he whom he served, the one whom he answered to, and he's the one who has to share the interpretation of the dream and what it means. Share the dream and the interpretation and what it means. Could you imagine being in Daniel's shoes? And knowing what the, the dream is, and having and knowing the interpretation, and having to be able to share it with the person, and knowing that it applies to the person, and knowing that the dream is, and knowing that its interpretation is severe, and knowing that it will happen. It's not a matter of if; it's a matter of when. So Daniel was. Paul at the whole idea of it. He was, oh my goodness. How am I going to share this with the king? And then um, and then he says, the king responds and says, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or interpretation alarm you. And then Daniel replies, my lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and interpretation to your adversaries. What was Daniel's response here? What does this mean? It means that Daniel would rather have had this application of this dream, the interpretation of this dream, apply to someone else other than his king, other than the one who was over him. Even though Nebuchadnezzar was a was a was sometimes often was a man who would lose his temper and get out of control, who would be angry, he was the one who even destroyed and sacked and raised Jerusalem and took his people back to Babylon. So Daniel, even though Nebuchadnezzar was his leader, even though Nebuchadnezzar was the one who did all these bad things, Daniel still had a concern for Nebuchadnezzar. In other words, if he knew the implications of the, the dream, he knew the interpretation, and yet his concern was for the king. May it be for someone else. May it be for your enemies. 
may it be for those who are against you. Daniel didn't want this for his king. Even though his king was, a, was sometimes was unpredictable, even though his king was sometimes um, unbearable, even though his king was sometimes mean and, and killed and he, and, he, and he ransacked things, Daniel still had a concern for him. And that's so critically important. What if Daniel didn't have concern for him? What if Daniel didn't have compassion for him? Here is a sinner. Here is someone who doesn't know God, who doesn't acknowledge God, who's done bad things about God, and yet Daniel shows concern for him. Because the king confided in him, the king asked him for the interpretation, yet he... Daniel spoke to him in a way that showed he had concern for him and compassion. What would happen if everyone, someone came to us who maybe we didn't like, or maybe someone that had done some bad things, and they came to us for counsel, and they came to us for wisdom, and they came to us for insight. And they were looking to us for answers. But they were people that we weren't, we weren't on the friendliest terms with. But they were generally concerned, they were generally interested in finding and, and looking for answers. How would we treat them? Would we, would we dismiss them? Would we say, nah, I'm not going to deal with you, I'm not going to face you, I'm not going to listen to your problems, I'm not going to hear you out? Or would we show genuine concern and compassion? Right? What would Jesus do in a situation like that? Often many people who came to him, who were sinners, and how did he handle it? Did he turn away and say, no, you're a sinner, I can't handle you. No, you've done this, 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 you've done this. No, I can't handle it. Did Jesus do that? No. He received people where they were. He received people where they were. You know, if people had turned me away when I came to them looking for answers, where would I be today? But yet there were people that showed concern for me, that showed compassion for me. Think about that. Think about the people, here I was, you know, doing some really bad stuff, and people took the time. I, I went to them looking for answers, and people took the time to care for me, and to listen, and, and show me compassion. Think about the people in your life, the people that took the time when we were in our worst state, when we were in our worst thing, and people came and we went to them, and people received us and listened to us and heard us out. And that's the way the same way we need to do with other people. The people come to us looking for wisdom or advice. The people are looking at us, people are watching us, and we need to show the compassion 
And the mercy of who? Of Jesus. Of Christ. To those, even maybe to those maybe we don't like necessarily. Even to those who, even, it says Jesus, even Jesus is kind. He said, even, um, he's kind to the merciful, uh, to, to the ungrateful. What about us? We show that same concern and compassion. Daniel did for his boss. So should we with others. Even though we even though we may even not agree with them, even though we may not get along. Because you never know, they may be the people, they're the very ones that maybe God is calling to come into his kingdom, right? He's using us to bring them in. Let's go on to our second point. Number two is that um, Daniel's interpretation for the king. So Daniel, here he is, he takes the time to explain the dream. The king already knows what the dream is. So Daniel explains the dream. He goes in explicit detail, point by point, telling the king this is what the dream is about. So the, the king does, knows that Daniel knows what's going on in the dream. And Daniel is fully aware. And Daniel doesn't miss a detail. Because God doesn't miss details, does he? If God misses details, no, he doesn't. We do. I do. But God doesn't. And, I, and what God is saying here is, is that when we share with people, we need to uh, make sure that we... We share the details uh, as God leads us and God shows us and God directs us. And it talks about the tree becoming large and strong. And it, the foliage was beautiful and abundant. And look down at verse 22. Because this is really important. Who is he talking about? It is you, O king. For you have become great and strong. It's your majesty. You skip down to your dominion. So, all this dream is about who? It's about Nebuchadnezzar. And applying to him. And so Nebuchadnezzar is feeling, okay, um, this is feeling pretty good here so far. And Daniel's explaining to him, uh, you know, the first part that he explained to him the dream. But then we're going to come down to the interpretation. You've grown strong in dominion. And, and then the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one. What could this be? An angelic watcher, a holy one. In other words, another, not a human, but someone um, from heaven, someone that was um, other, otherworldly, other human. Not human, but other, not of this world. An angelic watcher, in other words, someone sent by God. Chop, chop down the tree. Uh-oh. This is where it starts to get hard. Now, Daniel could have fudged it, couldn't he? Daniel could have fudged the tree. He could have fudged it to make it sound nicer for the king, couldn't he? Daniel could have manipulated the interpret, manipulated the dream a little bit, manipulated things, and start to diverge off of the truth, but Daniel didn't. Daniel 
was speaking exactly the way God showed him and the way exactly that God was telling him to speak. And talking about um, putting a band of iron around it and that um, and that its roots would um, bend around it and, and, and the grass of the field let it be drenched with the dew of heaven let it share with the beasts of the field until seven periods of time are over. Now that's getting really heavy. Because if the king is thinking this is about him, the trees chopped down, that means my kingdom, my power, that means I'm going to be out of commission for seven periods of time. He's going to be, I'll be, um, interpretation, I'll be drenched with the dew of heaven, and I'll be, share, I'll be eating my breakfast, lunch, and dinner with the beasts of the field, the cattle of the field, the animals of the field. So instead of eating in my royal palace, I'll be eating out in, in, the, in, in the field of all the other animals. And that this is the interpretation. Now the king is starting to imagine what's going on in the king's mind. But again, Daniel is doing what? Daniel is telling the truth, the interpretation of the dream. Daniel's interpreting the dream to the king. And the king could be getting scared at this point. Do you think the king was getting scared? Well, he knows he's, this is referring to him, but Daniel said it was referring to him. And now we're going to get to the real heavy part, the interpretation of the king. This is the interpretation of King, verse 24. And this is the decree of the Most High which come, which come upon my Lord the King. So in other words, this is the interpretation this is the decree of the Most High. In other words, this is the decree of God. This is of who? Of God. This is of God. In other words, it's what God has said is going to happen. It's not my interpretation. It's not my decree. But it's God's decree. In other words, what God says he will do, and what God says will happen. It's God's decree. And so we need to come to a place where we understand when God says something, He means it, and He'll accomplish it, and He'll fulfill it according to what He wants, according to what He desires. So, let's go on here. And then you'll be driven away from mankind. Your dwelling place will be the beast of the field. In other words, will be in will be in the open field, and you'll be eat, given grass to eat like the cattle. So you'll be eating grass like the cattle, like horses, and like other animals, farm animals. And you'll be drenched with the dew of heaven. In other words, where every morning there's dew on the ground. In other words, he's going to live outside. be living outside for seven years. Seven seasons. That's that seven years. And one springtime to the next springtime to the next springtime. And in seven periods of time will pass over you. Until what? Until he does what? Remember, this is the decree of the Lord that God said it's going to happen. Until what? What is God looking for? Until you do what? In verse 25, the last part of verse 25, until you recognize 
that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. So God's looking at two things here. You understand that he is the ruler. You recognize that God is in control, that God is Lord. He rules over all. And then he gives it to and he bestows it on whomever he wishes. Now here's the most powerful king in the earth at that time. Here's the king who is in control. The king who has things the way he would like them to be. Living in luxury, he's conquered um, the known kingdoms um, in his area. He has complete control. He is completely sovereign over his area and realm. But he, he needs a reality check because he needs to understand and know where his sovereignty and his reign and his power came from, right? His sovereignty and his reign and his power come until you recognize the Most High is ruler. Who's the ultimate ruler? Who's the ultimate one who's in control? Who's the ultimately the one who says and does everything? Who has control over all the nations of the earth? God does. What does it say in Proverbs 4? It says, The king's heart is in the hands of the Lord, as the rivers of water return it whithersoever he will. God's in control of the hearts of men. God knows what he's doing. God is sovereign. His decrees will come to pass. He will do what he says he will do, and there's no one that's going to change that. And he puts in control whom he wants to. But we need to come to a place Nebuchadnezzar needed to come to a place where he recognized that God is the ultimate ruler, not him, and that God puts in the place, God puts in the power, whomever he wishes, whomever he wants. And God will take one king and take him out and place him with another. And God will do what he says he will do. And God will accomplish what he says he will accomplish. And no man's arrogance or no man's pride is going to come in between what God says he will do. But God's purpose is that we come to a place where we, where the scripture says, um, it says, um, there come a time where it says, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is ruler, that God is ruler. Every knee, no matter a king, no matter a pauper, no matter who it is, a young child or an older person, it doesn't matter. Every knee is going to have to bow and call him Lord, and every knee is going to have to recognize that he is ruler over him. And he gives it to whoever he wishes. But God wishes that we recognize him here, rather than over our knees. Because we recognize it here, and we bow our knee here, and we'll go home and be with him for all time. But if we don't recognize it here, we don't recognize um, and acknowledge him here, and then we're going to do it on the other side, but we're going to be forced to do it. And in that end, we're missed out on our opportunity, our chance, to truly call on our Lord. But that's why it's so important, folks, um, that we recognize. Take that chance, take that time to recognize God. 
often our pride gets in the way. Often we're we want to be in control. We're control freaks to certain. All of us want to be in control of our lives rather than submitting that control to God. Allowing Him to have the say. Allowing Him to do those things in our life that He wants to do. And we miss out. We miss out on the very best that God would have for us. Because we refuse to submit to His authority, to His rule, to His Lordship. God's giving Nebuchadnezzar an opportunity here. And God gives us opportunities as well. It says in verse 26, And this, and it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots and the trees. The kingdom will be assured to you after you recognize that it is heaven. So, God gave him an opportunity, didn't he? He said, Your kingdom will be restored to you. It will be assured to you. In other words, when God gives an assurance, it's going to happen. But it's only after you recognize that it's heaven that rules. In other words, that God is in control. That God is the one who is ruler and is, in, is, is on the throne. It's not man. God will restore and God will cause us to prosper as we recognize him as Lord and ruler. But God will not tolerate, um, God will not tolerate us being in control. Us calling the shots. God is calling the shots. If we don't allow him to, then there's consequences. But what if we do, then God can restore. Once we do, God can restore the fortune. God can restore the prosperity. God can restore those things in our life that we once had and we once enjoyed and even greater. But we need to heed the voice of the Lord. We need to heed the voice of the Lord. We need to heed His voice and heed His call and heed uh, those things which He tells us to do. And submit our hearts. That's at the bottom. You know, I just thought about this. The biggest, one of the first things that Lucifer did to God and kicked out of heaven, what was it that he did? You can think about it in your hearts. You probably know if you read. Back in Isaiah chapter 14, reading Ezekiel, talks about that. Being cast out of heaven, son of the morning. He wanted to be higher. He was unwilling to do what? Submit to God. His pride said, no, I'm going to be in control. No, I'm going to rule over heaven. And what did God do? God cast him down. God cast him down in hell. Because he wanted to be in control. 
because he was unwilling to call God, God, and God is Lord. And all the other demons, the angels that were in heaven at the time, who didn't want to bow to God, joined Lucifer, and they were all cast out of There's consequences, folks. Let's not bow on our knees and call him the Lord. Again, we can do it here and receive the fortunes and blessings of him, or we'll do it on the other side portion. And the knee will bow every time I confess that Jesus Christ is God. We go to every day. Let's look at our last point. Daniel's wise advice for the king. Therefore, since you know all these things, in other words, therefore, since you know all these things, in other words, everything that I've talked to you about, everything that's been explained, everything that's been going on, everything that has been, that I've shared with you and the interpretation of you, think about it. Therefore, these things that you know, things that you're aware of, things that have been revealed to you. Therefore, what are you going to do? Daniel's advice for the king. May my advice be pleasing to you. In other words, Daniel is being respectful to the king. Because if Daniel, again, remember my first point? Daniel is showing concern for the king. Daniel is showing concern for the king's welfare. Because he wanted the best for the king. May it be pleasing to you. May you receive it. In other words, may you receive it in a pleasing way. May you receive what I'm saying. May you receive and hear it and act upon it. May this be something that is receptive to you. Even though it's a difficult message. Even though it's a difficult thing I'm telling you, even though the interpretation is difficult, it's necessary. May it be pleasing to you. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness. Break away later. Yeah, you can have a little bit more fun. You can do this, you can do this, you can do that, you can have a little more fun. You don't have to do it now, just you know, continue to do it. No, what do you say? Break away when? Now. In other words, acting upon those things which you know to do now. Doing righteousness. Which righteousness? Righteousness is doing the right thing in the eyes of God. Do those things which are right before God. By doing righteous, walking rightly before God. The verse that shall share. Micah 6.8 He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. With act justly, the love mercy, and the walk humbly with God. One of my favorite verses. It tells you the truth. Act justly. Love mercy and you will come. He showed it. He showed each one of us. He showed each one of us. What are we going to do? 
And we're going to walk righteously. And we're going to walk the way God would have us to walk. That's one of the things. And the other second part is, and from your turning from your sins and doing righteously, and from your iniquities, and iniquities are, are sin, the things that go against God. By showing who? Showing mercy to who? To the poor. And from your iniquities, by showing the word. And both saying, he's talking about good works. If you're a believer, you're, you're, you're going to show your you're going to show your faith by your good works. That you, do. you don't do good works in order to get saved. You do good works as a fruit of your salvation, right? Because Christ is in you. You don't earn your good works. Don't earn you anything. But they're a fruit of what is in you by showing mercy. Turn away from your sin by showing mercy. The word proof of your salvation, show mercy to the poor. Show mercy to those who are in need. Show compassion to those who don't maybe don't have anything or don't maybe don't have as much as we do. Show concern, in other words, like Daniel was doing for the king. Show concern, show mercy to the poor. Jesus often talked about that, didn't he? Jesus was often merciful to whom? To the poor and the needy. Jesus the Good Samaritan. Often um, giving alms to the poor. And caring for the poor and caring for the needy. What does James say in um, James 129? 127. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained on the earth. James 1.27 goes along with Micah 6.8. The reality is, is that as we turn from our sins, and we do those things which are right, and we show our lives by showing compassion to those who are in need, God in his heart has a special place for, for the poor, but has a special place in his heart for the widow, has a special place in his heart for the orphan. And as we do that, it says in Proverbs, when we sit and lend to the poor, when we get to the poor, we're lending to who? We're lending to God. God is, that's what our and that's what God is looking for. True repentance. True repentance from our sin will show our lives. True repentance will show it in acts of compassion to us. In other words, true repentance will show a life that tries to live righteously, not in pride, but tries to live right before God, but also will show it in acts of compassion and mercy towards others and those in need. That's true Christianity. That's true repentance. True repentance will do that. And that's what God wants us to, and that's what God was looking for, and that's what Daniel was looking for with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a man who lived in pride, did whatever he wanted, 
that Babylon was one of the seven wonders of the world, was its hanging gardens. And he had power, he had luxury, he had money, he had everything a man could want. And he, he, it was thought of all about him. But God was giving him an opportunity to turn. God was giving an opportunity to turn away and to be able to come back and, um, and, and acknowledge who God is. In other words, to acknowledge, um, as it says in the last part of verse 27, perhaps prolonging God's prosperity in our lives. So God looks for opportunities for us to have repentance, doesn't he? He gives us warnings, and that's an important message, part of this message as well. God warns us, and God gives us opportunities, and God gives us chances. God speaks to us clearly. And we need to receive and hear from Him, whether it's from a brother or sister, a godly brother or sister that speaks with us, whether it's a word that we read in Scripture, whether it's something that we hear in a message on the radio, or hear a pastor or a minister or someone, and we hear God speak to us, and He warns us, and He tells us we need to be able to, to do this, um, we need to heed that. Because perhaps we can avoid, perhaps we can not go through those things which are planned, those things which will happen if we don't, those challenging things, those difficult things. Perhaps we can avoid those things. Perhaps Nebuchadnezzar could have avoided, it was Daniel's hope that if Nebuchadnezzar would, would have responded to him, that he would have avoided what he was going to be going through. So there was an opportunity that he was, that he was uh, perhaps offering Nebuchadnezzar. Perhaps if you turn, perhaps if you repent, you don't have to go through these things. But if you don't, this is what is decreed for you. And folks, same thing with us. If we don't heed the voice of God when He speaks, we may have to go through things. We may have to go endure things. Until we recognize that who? Until He is ruler of the world. So He's in control. God loves us. God is sovereign. God cares for us like no one else can. He wants the best for us, but sometimes He'll allow us to go through challenging things, challenging situations, challenging circumstances, in order for us to learn, in order for us to grow, in order for us to receive the best that we can. But we have to make decisions and we have to make choices. Nebuchadnezzar chose to have, um, chose not to heed the voice. Because it says here, if we look at where we're going to look at next week, the verse starting in verse 28 is that in a year, about a year later he was walking around in his office. He was walking around and then he happened. He didn't heed the voice of God. He didn't hear the voice of God. And so for seven years he was like an owl. His mind was taken from him. He was insane, eating grass, and we're going to find out. Let's listen to the Lord. Listen to Godly counsel. Listen to the voice of God. And say, God, yeah, God, I hear you. Uh, don't put it off. I hear you now. Let's, I'm gonna I'm not gonna put it off. God, I'm gonna do it 
do whatever you're showing me to do, whatever you're speaking to me about, I'm going to do it, God, so that I can uh, do and be the people that you want me to be, the person who you want me to be. And do those things, God. I'm going to live righteously, God. Help me to, um, to uh, show mercy and compassion to those in need. Let me display the fruits of your spirit. Help me. Let's take some time. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm I've sinned against you. Please forgive me of my sin, God. Please show me mercy. Please show me kindness, oh God. Help me, O oh God, to Listen to you, O oh God, to respond to you, to yield my heart to you, to turn from my sins, and, 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 and yield my life and call you Lord and call you Savior. Help me, God, I can't do it on my own. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my, as my Lord today and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Cleanse my heart, wash my heart. Come and live inside my heart at night. Thank you, Jesus. For those of us who do know you, Jesus, uh, please forgive me for not listening to you, uh, Forgive me for not yielding my heart to you. Please forgive me for not heeding your voice, God. Uh, help me to... Uh, Listen to you. Help me to turn from my sin, God, when you tell me to turn from my sin. Help me to um, respond to you quickly when you say respond. Help me to show those things in my life. Help me to live righteously, oh God. Help me to show mercy and compassion to those in need and to the poor and the widow and the orphan, oh God. Help me, oh God, oh God. Please, oh God. Help me. Please, Father, help me to... Um, uh, not do, I don't want to incur those things, oh God, which uh, may be difficult for me. But I want to incur your blessing. I want to incur your, your, uh, your hand in my life, oh God. Uh, and, and, and your mercies and your kindnesses in my life, oh God. Uh, help me to live for you, oh God, even right now. Help me to be the person that you want me to be in every way. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, and we also forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, both now and forever. Father, forgive us now for your peace and your joy, for your prosperity in our lives, O oh God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.